0: I know it's already been said in this service, but I want to repeat it personally to each and every one of you. Dads, happy Father's Day, and I have to be honest with you, you're an impressive lot. On Mother's Day, you really expect, you know, full auditoriums, because mothers have this thing about using and manipulating their special day to get their kids to church. But not dads. You ask dads what they want, and he says, hey, bring something for the grill and something for the fridge, you know. And the fact that you're here on Father's Day is impressive, so thank you very much, and happy Dad's Day. We are in this series called Unforgettable, and it's based upon unforgettable truths that really can become marked and defining parts of our life in shaping who we are in our relationship with God. And every single weekend of this summer, we're going to see one of these unforgettable truths. And I I hope that you'll take advantage of it. It's going to be a life-changing opportunity, and I hope you'll be inviting others as well. This weekend, we're looking into the whole idea of experiencing an unforgettable encounter with God. And how each and every one of us, no matter who we are, needs to experience that encounter. And I have to tell you, for the longest time, I I had a hard time seeing the Bible as a place to experience that kind of encounter with God. For the longest time, I I just didn't see the Bible as relevant to my life. I couldn't relate to most of the people in the Bible. I, I couldn't connect the dots from their lives to mine, from their experiences to mine. A great example of this is found in Moses. If you know anything about the Bible, Moses was this unbelievably fantastic guy, you know? Moses was a guy that I just couldn't even imagine relating to. He was more like a real-life superhero than he was anything that related to my life. I mean, if you know the story, this is a guy who called down all the plagues from the heavens to break the back of Pharaoh in Egypt. I mean, what no army on the planet could do to defeat the superpower Egypt of that day, Moses could do by saying, hey, send a couple of locusts, send a couple of, you know, frogs, and here we go. I, it was crazy, this guy. And he didn't stop there. Then he stood on a mountain with a sheep staff, you know, the thing you're just supposed to grab the, the head of an animal with. And he parted the Red Sea, the entire Red Sea, and millions of people walked across on, on dry land. This is A guy that I had a hard time relating to. He's a guy that spoke to a rock and water came out for millions. He's a guy that hit a rock and water came out for millions. This guy was a superhero guy of the Bible. And I just thought his life was far too sensational, far too different from mine to be relevant. You know what I mean? But I was wrong. As it turns out, Moses' life was very much like mine and yours in so many ways. The difference I saw in him, the things that made me see him as so irrelevant to me, you know, the superhero-like stuff, wasn't Moses at all. That was God. The one doing all of that sensational stuff was the same God who's available for me, for you, today. It wasn't Moses at all. No, Moses is like us. I discovered that the only important difference between Moses and myself was that more often than not, Moses, let God be God. And more often than not, I don't. Truth be known about me, I tend to want to put God on a shelf. I want him close enough to be able to spice up my life when I need it spiced up. I want him close enough to where he'll be able to save me from the crisis I get myself in. But on a day-to-day basis, unlike Moses, I don't let God be God. I, I let Brad be Brad, and it doesn't result in much pretty. It's, it's a mess, and yet that's who I am. Can, can you relate to that at all in your life? Well, if you can, then this talk really is for you. We're going to go through Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And, I mean, for those of you who are I guess you won't understand this, but for those of you who attend Northridge, it's time for you to have a stroke or a heart attack because I'm going to go verse by verse by verse through Exodus chapter 3. All right. The unforgettable encounter. Let's start with verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It's a pretty bland verse. Seems like a transition verse. Just time to move on to verse 2. But if you do that, you're going to miss the whole point here. Because what you have in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, though you don't see it on the service, what you have in that verse is Moses drowning in disappointment. I mean, drowning in disappointment. Moses wasn't supposed to be here, not on the far side of the desert, watching some guy's animals. It's not where Moses was supposed to be. There was nothing wrong with being a shepherd. There was nothing wrong with being a keeper of animals. But this isn't what Moses was supposed to be. Moses was raised as the son of Pharaoh. He was supposed to be a great deliverer. What's he doing watching the animals of some guy in the middle of the desert? It was a disappointment of very large proportions. And what's really sad and what's really fueling the disappointment in this passage is that Moses thought this was going to be the whole story though he knew he was made for so much more, called for so much more, designed for so much more, prepared for so much more, he thought this was going to be the whole story. Made for more, capable of more, passionate of more, dreaming for more, but forever out of the reach of that so much more. And it's really crazy in light of how his story began, because his story began with some choices that were extraordinary. As a young man, he had every reason to commit himself to himself, to his own power, to his own pleasure, to his own prosperity. He was raised as the son of Pharaoh. He had access to everything he wanted. And yet, as a young man, he saw through the temporary veil of instantaneous pleasure and instantaneous power, and he rejected that for that which had more meaning. For the power of God. Look at how God Himself says it in Hebrews chapter eleven, verses twenty-four through twenty-six. This just sets up the context for all of Exodus three. God says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of God, for the sake of Christ, as of greater value than all the treasures he could have experienced in Egypt, because he wasn't looking for the moment, he was looking ahead to his greater reward. Now a lot of people apply this to the older Moses, but it can't be applied to the older Moses, because he had to have made a choice somewhere in his adult life, for God's kingdom instead of the kingdom of Egypt, for God's purposes instead of his own pleasure. And it couldn't have been after he was chased out of Egypt... It had to be while he was still in Egypt, while he still had this power. When he had access to seize power and prosperity and pleasure for himself, he said no to it because he wanted to serve a higher purpose, as he wanted to serve the higher purposes of God. Moses, as a young man, was beyond his years. He had great intentions and he made great choices. And this is why he got embroiled in the fight against the Egyptians that ultimately got him in trouble with both Israel and the Egyptians. He literally murdered an Egyptian because he was abusing an Israelite. And the reason was because he had all the sincere intentions of the world of honoring God. He didn't want people abusing God's people. He didn't want people devaluing life, the life that God made. He was going to represent the eternal interests of God instead of man. And so when this Egyptian abused this Israeli, he murdered him. But it really went the wrong way, though his intention was that it would free Israel. Israel rejected him, and then Egypt condemned him, and he had to start running. And that's what happened. He ran and he ran and he ran and he ended up here in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 in the desert watching his father-in-law's animals. Think about the disappointment. This guy raised in Pharaoh's household but making the choice to serve God instead of Pharaoh. Talk about a huge choice and yet now he's seemingly forsaken by the very God he had chosen to serve. Now he's seemingly forgotten, 40 years worth of forgotten, he's been in this desert, and he's seemingly a failure. He's certainly no deliverer. He's certainly not living the fullness of his dreams as he had once hoped to do. He was lost. He was disenchanted. He was a mess. It's hard for me to believe that there was a time when I didn't think I could relate to the guy Moses. But when I see him in this light, I relate readily, because I live there quite often, to be honest. Feeling like I'm living way below my dreams, way below my potential, seeming like I'm lost and can't find my way. Often disenchanted, not being able to figure it out. And that's where Moses was. Feelings forsaken, forgotten, and like a failure. The reason I love this passage is because Though it starts in Exodus 3, 1, drowning in disappointment, it doesn't end there. And this is important to me because all the times I live in disappointment, I need to know it doesn't have to end there. All the times I feel forsaken or forgotten, like my life is being defined by my flaws or my failures, it doesn't have to end there. In Moses' life, everything changed. From this moment of disappointment. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. It says, there. And before you go any further, I know I only read one word, I get it. But that one word's really important. That word, there. I mean, when you go home, you might want to circle it in your Bibles. There. Where? There. In that place of disappointment in that place where he felt forsaken, forgotten like a failure, in that place of disillusionment, in that place where he was lost and disenchanted, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him. There God himself showed up on the scene. It was there in the disappointment that God showed up. And he showed up in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over to see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. You need to know, until the voice, Moses, Moses, came forth, he had no clue that it was God because he had He had come to the place where he believed God had forsaken him. He was no more. He had come to the place where he believed that God had forgotten him. He was no more. And so the bush started burning and all this started happening and it was just a point of natural curiosity for him. How can this bush not be burning? He should have known, but he didn't know. But then the voice, Moses, Moses. And I have to tell you, though it's not in the text, I believe with all of my heart it's true. Moses, wet his pants. How could he not have, right? If the story's not interesting enough, just add stuff to it, folks. It's really fun. (laughs) Moses, imagine this moment. I mean, this is an electrifying moment. When you think of how he was drowning in disappointment and then all of a sudden God shows up and says, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. You know what you find there? He wasn't forsaken. He, He wasn't forgotten. God knew where he was. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he needed. God knew his name, Moses, Moses. God wanted to speak with him, him, the one who had felt forsaken, the one who had felt forgotten, the one who had felt that he wasn't worthy to be anything but a failure. God wanted to speak to him. Think about how life-changing that discovery was. So unloved, but someone loved him. So unknown, but someone knew him. So unworthy, but the most worthy cared about him. All these years thinking he was forgotten and forsaken and now discovering he wasn't, it was a life-changing experience. I don't know about you, but it's an experience that's important to me. I need to know that's true so life doesn't overwhelm me and drown me in my disappointments. Look at Exodus chapter three, verses five and six. God says, don't come any closer, Moses. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Moses should have known that. If God was there, it's holy ground. But Moses didn't remember. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Shouldn't have had to be reminded, but he had to be reminded. And it was then when God reminded him of who he was and how he was to respond to him. It was at this that Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He remembered, This is God. Here, God had to remind Moses of who he was. Here, God had to remind Moses how he should respond to him. Yeah, I'm A- the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Take your shoes off. I- this is holy ground. Y- you know what that shows us, right? It wasn't God who had forsaken Moses. It was Moses who had forsaken God. It it wasn't God who had forgotten Moses. It was Moses who had forgotten God. He had to be reminded. And I'm going to tell you, the same is true with us. We often get to the place where we feel forsaken by God and forgotten by God, but he's never forsaken nor forgotten us. In my case, I put him on the shelf and let dust collect and forget that he's there and I'm off doing my own thing and, and all of a sudden things start going wrong because they always go wrong when I try and live according to my capacities because I don't have the capacity to control, the capacity to deliver and I get myself in trouble and I start drowning in disappointment. I start drowning in dis- doubt or despair and what the reality is is that I'm the one that has forsaken him but I'm upset at him for forsaking me I'm the one that's forgotten him but I get upset as if he's forgotten me and that's exactly what's going on in Moses' life and if I can be really, really honest that's exactly what goes on in your life you feel forsaken you feel forgotten you live in a land of disenchantment you're drowning in disillusionment and disappointment and and you wonder where in the world is God why has he forsaken me why has he forgotten me and the truth is he hasn't like Moses you've forsaken him And you've forgotten him. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses, you should have known. You should have known. I fulfill my promises. Moses felt that God had forsaken him and forgotten him. Israel felt like God had forsaken them and forgotten them. Neither were right. God hadn't turned his back on them. He's making it clear. God hadn't left them. God hadn't forgotten them. No, at all times, in every circumstance, at all moments, he saw them and their misery. He heard them and their prayers of desperation. He was concerned about them and what they were experiencing. He hadn't forgotten his promises. Rather, he was preparing to fulfill them, though they thought he'd left them. He'd been with them, seeing them, hearing them, listening to them, preparing for them, working for them, loving them the whole time. They just hadn't seen it. The problem wasn't with God at all. They stopped trusting God didn't stop working. They stopped looking to him. God didn't stop walking with them. Though they thought he had forsaken and forgotten them, it was the other way around. And I find in my life, this is the story. I feel like God's the problem, but I'm the problem. Can you relate? So he shows up and he reminds Moses, I've always been here. You're the one that left me. I didn't leave you. And I know you feel that though you've forsaken me and forgotten me, that now you have to be a failure, but nothing could be further from the truth because look what he says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. So now go. That which you thought you could never be, that which you thought could never be real, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You know, like you wanted to be before, a deliverer. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want you to fulfill your destiny. I want you to fulfill the purposes I designed you for. I want you to live up to your potential. I want you to experience the fullness I designed you for. So now go. As it turns out, nothing Moses believed about himself was true. Nothing. Nothing. He thought he was forsaken. He wasn't. He thought he was forgotten. He wasn't. And he thought he was destined to be a failure. And he wasn't. And I'm telling you, the same is true with us. What we believe about ourselves is so often so messed up. The difference here was that God saw Moses through a different lens than Moses saw himself. God saw Moses through the lens of what Moses could be and should be, not what Moses had done and didn't do. But Moses was seeing himself through the lens of what he had done, what he didn't do, of his mess-ups and his lack of capacity, and it debilitated him. But God saw him through the lens of what he could and should be. Moses had blown it profoundly. So have we. But that shouldn't form the identity we have of ourselves. Because what Moses discovered in this passage was that God is bigger than all of our mess ups. He's bigger. I know you've messed up, so have I. I know it's hard to see your life without seeing it through the lens of the fractures and the brokenness and the disappointments and the weaknesses. I get it, I know. But God is bigger than your mess-ups. God is bigger than your weaknesses. And he sees you not through the lens of who you are. He sees you through the lens of who you can be. And so he says to Moses, go. Here's the reality. With God, to be forgotten is not possible because God can't forget. With God, to be forsaken is not possible because he's faithful Great is his faithfulness, and it renews itself every single morning. You cannot be forgotten. And with God, failure does not have to be final. Think about it. The God who sees and the God who knows was still sending Moses to be his deliverer. It's just an awesome reality. The one who was drowning in disappointment was being sent by God to be a great deliverer. But it doesn't change Moses automatically because it's not all that easy. And I I relate to this. I hear the promises of God. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. And I I hear that he sees me through the lens of what can be instead of the lens what that was. But it's not all that easy for me to embrace. And it wasn't for Moses. Look at Exodus chapter three, verse 11. It starts with the word but. Remember in verse two I said that first word there was really important there where? In that place of disappointment, there. That's where God showed up. And in your place of disappointment, God's there. That's where he'll show up. You just have to start seeing it, right? Well, here, this first word's important because God just said, you can go. You're not destined to be a failure. You're not locked in this place of disappointment. Go! And you'd think, right? I mean, if it was a great fairy tale, he'd just get up and he'd go and he'd deliver them. But that's not how it happened. He he looked at God and he, he could not accept God's reality because the only reality he knew was his own. Boy, I relate to that. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I don't know about you, but I can really relate to that. It doesn't matter what positive things God or someone else speaks into my life. I know me as I know me. And it just makes me want to go, who am I? You don't get it. He's basically saying, God, you don't get it. Not only have you forsaken me, not only have you forgotten me, but you're clueless about me, basically. He, he had a hard time wrapping his head around this thing. He says, Who am I that I should go? And he's trying to instruct God, who am I? Who am I that I should go? What do you see in me that I don't see in myself? See, he'd already been there, he'd already done that, and he'd already failed spectacularly, and he had started to believe that though he thought he was made for so much more, he wasn't made for much. He started to believe, in light of his own failures, that he had to settle for little. And we do the same thing. We really start to see ourselves through the lens of who we've been and what we've done And though we have this longing for meaning, we get to the place where we believe that we just have to accept the little, the crumbs on the plate, because we don't deserve anything. And we we ask this question, Who am I? Who am I? This verse, I think, reveals Moses' underlying problem. It reveals why he was living so far below his God given potential and purpose. It reveals why his first attempt to deliver Israel was such a spectacular failure. It reveals why he had been so long living as if forsaken when he wasn't, as if forgotten when he wasn't, and as if he was always going to be a failure, though it wasn't true. And the reason is this he saw himself, he saw his potential, he saw his future through the lens of his own abilities. That's where he was. He he saw himself and his future in in the lens of his own limited capacities, his own limited opportunities, his own limited experiences. And you can see it on both ends of his life. When he was the son of Pharaoh, even though he was making well-intentioned, great choices to say, I will not live for the temporary, I live for the eternal, when he was the son of Pharaoh, he had a high opinion of himself. As the son of Pharaoh... He had unbelievable ability. As the son of Pharaoh, he had unbelievable capacity. He had the greatest education, the greatest training, the greatest resources, the greatest position of of power that anyone could have. And he said, man, I've got it made. I can do anything I want to do. He saw himself through the lens of his opportunities and his experiences, and so he went out to deliver Israel because he could do it, and he failed spectacularly. Pride became his failure his flaw. But then it reversed itself because when he was in the desert watching flocks, feeling forsaken and forgotten and like a failure, he was still looking at himself through the lens of his own abilities and capacities, only now he understood he wasn't God. Being the son of Pharaoh didn't mean anything. And so now he goes, through the lens of my abilities, I can't do anything but watch sheep. The only thing I have the opportunity for, I've been rejected by Israel, I've been rejected by Egypt, I'm a condemned man. God's forsaken me, God's for- forgotten me. The only thing I can do is get lost in the backside of the desert. He saw himself through the lens of his own abilities and it destined him to failure. And I'm telling you, this is our problem. We see our future, we see our hope, as dependent upon who we are. Which is why we have so little hope. Which is why we're so paralyzed by life. The good news is that there's a solution. And this passage shows it. It's found, this solution that we so desperately need in our life, is found in the life-changing answer that God gave to Moses in this passage. And you need to know it before I show it to you, that God's answer to Moses took Moses from living as if forsaken and forgotten in a failure, took Moses from this place of unbelievable disappointment to becoming one of history's all-time greats. And how does Moses get from the far side of the desert, watching animals, feeling like a failure, drowning in disappointment, to standing on a mountain, parting the Red Sea, leading God's people to freedom? How does that happen? Because of the answer God gave And I'm telling you we're all looking for this answer Because we're always trying to figure out How do I get from where I am and who I am To where I believe God really authored me to be What's the answer? It's found in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12 Now you've got to remember the question Before you understand the answer What was the question? In Exodus 3 11, Didn't Moses say who am I? Who am I? That's the question Who am I? In Exodus 3.12, God gives the answer, but it's not the answer to the question. It's bizarre. Moses says, who am I? And God said, I'll be with you. If I'm Moses, I'm going, that's not what I asked, really. I didn't ask where you are. I asked, who am I that I should go stand in front of Pharaoh? Who am I that I should become the leader of your people? Who am I? I'm just a mess up. When I view myself through the lens of who I know myself to be, I am nobody to stand near you, by you, or for you? Who am I? God says, I'll be with you. You know what God said to Moses? He said, it's not about who you are. It's the wrong question. It's about who I am. It's not about who you are. It's about who's with you and I've chosen to be with you. Here's God's life-changing, unforgettable truth for us. Please get it because you need it. It's not about who we are. It's about who God is. Which means every day we're asking the wrong question. Who am I? Who am I? We're trying to build up our self-esteem. We put quotes on our mirrors and we try and charge ourselves to go into the day. It's not about who we are. It's about who God is. No matter who Moses was, he couldn't have parted the Red Sea. No matter who Moses was, he couldn't have called down the wonders of the universe to destroy Egypt. No matter who Moses was, he couldn't have called water from the rock. He couldn't have led those millions. He couldn't have done any of it. It didn't matter who he was. It mattered who God was and that Moses walked with him. And the same is true with us. We, every day, are asking the wrong questions, are working on the wrong issues. We're trying to become the person who can part the Red Sea, you'll never do it. You're trying to become the person who can achieve hope for your future. You can't do it. You're not in control of your future. It's not about who we are. It's about who God is. God's saying to Moses in this passage, though you've been missing this, Moses, I've always been with you. I've always been able to part the Red Sea. I've always been able to do it. You just didn't see me. He's saying, I've always been with you. The burning bush wasn't God showing up for the first time in a long time. The burning bush was him just finally saying, hey, buddy, turn the lights on. I'm here. And the same is true in our lives. We've missed God's purposes because we miss God. We live below our potential because we're depending on ourselves all the while we can be depending on God. Our potential is not found ultimately in who we are. Our potential is found in who he is, which means our potential is unlimited. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. Your future can be unlimited because he is unlimited. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. God says it after God doesn't answer Moses' question but tells him what the right answer is. I'll be with you. Look what he says. And this will be the sign to you that is, I. it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. You know what he's simply saying? Remember, Moses, when you went the last time, what happened? Yeah, you ran with the tail between your legs out into the far side of the desert, and you became nothing. But when you go with me, you'll be standing on the mountain worshiping in fulfillment. No matter who we are or what our limited potential, when we genuinely trust and obey God, we will never, ever live below our dreams. We'll never end up disappointed with our lives. It's impossible because God cannot fail to fulfill his purposes and his promises. But Moses is still working through this thing. And I don't know about you, I relate so much to this because I still work through this. I hear this, I know you're hearing this. He's working through it. And look what Moses says. He's now thinking about the other people. Okay, I'm supposed to go and tell them that you sent me. So Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I tell them? I always found that to be a really curious passage. Bizarre, and it was because I was misunderstanding it. I kept thinking God was saying, I mean, Moses was saying, you know, what am I supposed to tell him your name is? But that's not at all the question. He, he's not thinking they're going to ask, what's his name? Who's this God? Because he's already said who this God is. What if I'm to go and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you? They know who the God of their fathers is. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of... They know who this God is. That's not the problem. So what are they saying? What is his name? What shall I tell him? What's he asking? He's not asking who is this God. He's asking what does that mean to us? What does it mean to us that God sent you? What does it mean to us given the circumstances we're in? What's his name to us? He was the God of Abraham. He was the God of Isaac. He was the God of Jacob. But he's obviously not our God. They were in the same place that Moses was. So what? He was the God of Abraham. He's forsaken us. So what? He was the God of Isaac. He's forgotten us. So what? He's the God of Jacob. He's not fulfilling his promises to us. He's disappeared. He's deserted us. So what's it to us? What's he to us? They basically came to the conclusion that the God of their fathers had disappeared and no longer walked with people like he did in the past. And so look at God's answer in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. God said to Moses, you tell him I am who I am. Now this is really important. They're saying, what's it mean to us? Because he walked with them, he doesn't walk with us. You you tell them, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am the one who always is sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me, now get this, has sent me to who? You. He's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not just the God who worked yesterday. He's the I am, and he's sending me to you, As he came for Abraham, he comes for you. As he came for Isaac, he comes for you. And he says, this is my name forever. This doesn't change. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation, I am who I am. God is saying, I am not just the God who lived in the past. I am the God who is alive in your present. I'm here. As I walked with and guided and delivered and protected and provided for your fathers, so I will do for you. He's saying, I am with you. I was with you. I will always be with you. I am that I am. He's saying, without me, you can't be because I'm the source of life. And you can't be without me because I am everywhere present. So everything you thought about me is wrong. And note this. This was his answer to Moses. Moses felt forsaken, forgotten, and like a failure. And what did God say? God says... Here I am. I'm with you. It's his answer to Israel. Here I am. It's his answer to you. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're battling with, you need to know that he's with you. Nothing can change it. The question is are you like Moses and Israel, missing it? Feeling forsaken, feeling forgotten when you're not feeling like a failure when you don't have to be we need to remember that no matter who we are and where we are he's with us and he is the great I am of all of our needs we all have needs but he is the I am for our needs and here's the application of the talk are you ready for it's so important three words he's with you he's with you but this is what that means because he's with you You don't have to live below your dreams. You don't have to live below your God-given potential. So don't. Because He's with you, you don't have to live as if you've been forsaken and forgotten. Because you haven't been. Because He's with you, you don't have to live a life of disappointment as if your destiny is defined by failure. But here's what you do have to do. You have to stop seeing yourself through the lens of your own limited capacity Because as long as you see yourself through the lens of your limited capacity, your future is limited to your capacity. You'll never part the Red Sea. You'll never get out of the desert. You'll never do anything but drown in disappointment. But when you start seeing yourself in light of his unlimited capacity, you can leave the far side of the desert and you can become a difference maker like Moses living up to your potential, living up to his dreams for you. And just so you know that this isn't some interesting interpretation of an Old Testament story that I'm trying to cram down your throat. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what Jesus is saying? It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. The reason he left heaven and came to earth and died on the cross is because who we are has already been defined. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We've all defined our journey by failure. Every single one of us, like Moses, has forsaken God, forgotten God, and failed God. Every single one of us. Some of us with great intentions. Other of us with not so great intentions. But all of us have done it. But we can still have hope and we can still have a future and we can still fulfill His purposes for our lives. Why? Because it's not about who we are. It's about who He is. And He left heaven and came to earth and died on a cross for our sin and then rose again to give us His life. And with His life, we can become who he created us to be. But we have to stop asking the wrong questions and start asking the right ones. Stop asking, who am I? That's already been decided. Start asking this, God, are you really here? Are you really with me? And then invite him to walk with you. When you have this encounter, everything changes. Moses showed it. Here's the truth. It's not who you are. It's who he is. Has it changed your life? When Moses had this encounter with God, it forever shaped him. My worry for us is that we hear the words, but we've never really had the encounter. Because when we have the encounter, it changes us. Are you seeing yourself through the lens of your capacities? If so, you're in trouble. Make the choice to see yourself through the lens of his unlimited abilities, and it will change who you are. And so, what we're going to do just before I finish this talk is we're going to bow in a word of prayer. And if you'd bow with me and just respect this moment, it's an important moment. If you'd bow with me, I if you're a believer here, you're already a follower, remember Moses was a believer. He rejected Pharaoh to serve God, and yet he still blew it because. He tried to serve God based upon his capacities. He tried to live for God based upon his capacities. And I believe many of us are doing this. And that's why we're failing so spectacularly. If you're here and you're a believer, you need to ask yourself, am I living for God based upon who I am? Or am I letting God live in me? This is where you start working. And then there are some of us here, you've never had your first encounter. You've never had your burning bush moment. You've never ever experienced a beginning of a relationship with God. This is your moment. And I want to pray with you. You can take my words and make them yours, but invite him into your life. Just say, God, I believe without you I'll never become the person you created me to be. Like Moses, I've forsaken you. I've forgotten you. I've failed. I've sinned against you. But I believe, Jesus, when you died on that cross, you died for me. And so by faith, I'm asking you to take my sin and forgive me and fill me with the new life of your resurrection. Help me to define my life by you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, I really want to encourage you, please let me know. Uh, We made it so easy if you're in one of our live services to take out the program you were handed. There's a connection card inside. You just rip it out, fill it out, and on the bottom it says, Today I prayed to receive Jesus. Please check that off. Please let us know. You can put it in one of the boxes at every exit, and we'll send you a letter about next steps that you can take in your journey, your relationship with God. If you're doing this online, there's a What Next button. You take advantage of that, and we'll send you the same material. Now, just before we end this Father's Day experience, I want to do two things. The first, I really do want to wish you dads a happy Father's Day. And I want to encourage all of you kids and all of you spouses to give him a break and let it be a great day, would you? Seriously. (laughs) We only get one day a year. And I... (laughs) Spoken as a true dad, by the way. I don't get why you moms get a better day than us. But I'm bent on turning that sucker around so there's at least some equity in this, okay? So have a great Father's Day. And then finally, I just want to celebrate something. We here at Northridge decided to make a difference in two communities in Zambia by sponsoring kids in and through World Vision. And we, in one weekend, sponsored nearly 3,000 kids. But what's remarkable about that is, and I know some of you are already communicating with your kids and investing That's awesome. Please keep that up. We're going to tell you what's going on in our communities, but... A thousand of you sponsored kids without knowing the name. Didn't have a picture because we went way beyond our goal. And we now have those thousand plus kids here so that you can have your child and that name and start communicating with them. In our chapel, right off the lobby, I set up all the pictures. And so if you're one of those people that sponsored one of those kids, you can go in and get that. And if you're not, if you're someone saying, man, I've heard about it, or I couldn't do it then, or I'm interested in looking and all that, then please go in. You can go in and get a child as well. And so let's be praying for all of this. But happy Father's Day. And remember, it's not who you are, it's who he is. And if you live that way, you'll never be disappointed. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. small